because you said we're not there for an audio quadrant, we're not there for anything. That is true. That should be a, a good tagline for the show. Yeah. We're not here for anything. <laughs> okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, John. Scotty. What can I say? Well, you one... have introduced me to uh, you know, high tech, <laughs> high end recording <laughs> facilities in in the in the West End of London. That's probably true, but you know, sarcasm aside, the food at this recording studio is not too bad. I have to say that basically we are squeezing in recording between the food. It's <laughs> <That seems laughs> so, like the appropriate thing to do. We had a great lunch, and now just supper is now in the oven, and so we thought. Fuck all else to do. Let's let's bore some people for exactly. Minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scotty, it's been like it's. This is our second week apart. So I mean, it's. Uh, I missed you so much, and uh, you never seem to be here except for now. You're physically here, and I'm starting to get sick of you. But that's okay. I said we'd be together. What two hours? Three hours? <laughs> it's maybe. Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh dear! So it's a, yeah. How, how do we ever cope? I don't know. I don't know. It's like well, mostly I'm worried about about you know the fractional listener who managed to escape last week, and I want that fractional listener to know that just because they got off this past week doesn't mean that they're going to ever get off in the future. Oh wait, that didn't sound very good. I think yeah. I think if you um, if you end up being a week that's skipped, I'm not sure if you end up for um, double duty in the future. I think that sounds. Maybe, maybe it's like when we do a, like a, a Christmas special that's twice as long. That person gets that one as punishment. Oh, I think that. There we go, and, and we will do a Christmas special. But hey, Scotty, how, you're on tour. You're I, on tour. I am on tour. Tell us about the tour. I well, I kind of sheepishly will say that I feel a little bit like a rock star, not because anybody else feels that way, but just it's been a very pleasant time. I've been, I I went to Istanbul, I went to Athens, I went to Barcelona. I'm in London now, and I'll be going to Paris and then flying home. And so the question is, why did I do that? And the answer is that. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was invited by the Dutch embassy to participate in some events that were coinciding with the, the state visit by the royal Dutch couple, uh, Queen uh, Maxima and Wilhelm, and King Wilhelm. Oh, my God, their majesties. Okay, that didn't come out in the proper order, so I, I blew up protocol. But <laughs> You got their names wrong, their titles wrong. No, I got their names right. I just didn't do it in the right order and with the right thing. But it doesn't matter. The Dutch royal couple. Uh, who I actually got to meet, and I have to say they're lovely people from from the you know few minutes of interaction I had with them. But they had been scheduled to to do this thing last year, which was to open up this thing called the SDG House, which stands for Sustainable Development Group, and it's a Dutch kind of public private partnership organization that opens that, that tries to promote state you know sustainable development as an attractive aspect of of startups. Um, so there are lots of startups out there that are trying to figure out how to, you know, get you to click on ads. But then there's uh, there are startups that have a social purpose and sometimes around uh, sustainable development for all aspects of that. So uh, and it, and it, so why are the Dutch doing this in Istanbul? Uh, not in Istanbul. So then the oh, that's Athens. Yes, Athens. Okay. Now the reason why I'm I'm flying, I went through Athens at the time that it was happening. It was on again, then off again. Because there was first there was COVID and there were kind of lockdowns and then the mask mandates got removed and things seemed like they were going to be good and then all of a sudden they weren't and so it was it you know the first time it was canceled because of that after the the second lockdown said okay COVID is going to make this impossible and then when that seemed to clear up then came the Ukraine war uh, and so in the 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 rush to try and get there as quickly as possible from San Francisco 
there is a direct flight on Turkish Airlines, and then Istanbul is practically in the neighborhood. So I had this ticket where I had uh, a year to basically use the flight credit, which coincided with November 12th is the, the deadline for that. So I got back in touch with my friends in the Dutch embassy and said, hey, you know, this flight credit, I want to use it. And so I was figuring I would just come, and, and if people are around, that would be great. And, you know, I'd love to see you all. Um, and I, in the back of my mind, said, well, if nothing else, I will also make a layover in, in Istanbul, which I did. Um, and they said, ah, that's very good. It's very good coincidence because the third time's a charm and the Dutch royal couple are, in fact, coming. And that, and since we had to open up the SDG house already, uh, we have it for something else. There's going to be another edition, the first in-person edition of their pitching competition called The Squeeze. And, in fact, you know, we would love to have you as a judge. And I, I did. I was there as a judge. And since I was there for a number of days, I spent time mentoring um, a new cohort of startups all of whom had pitched, some of whom had pitched in prior competitions and others who pitched years and years ago and are doing really well. So it was a great chance for me to kind of see an update for the, the Greek startup ecosystem. Um, and I have to say, it's it's really good. I mean, you know, when I first did it, I had to look back in my calendar and I first went to, to Athens in 2014. So that's quite some number of years ago. And, and um, I gave a talk, and then I was invited back to be a judge. And at that time, there, you know, they they had just launched this thing called Orange Grove, which is a startup incubator, and it's a project of the Dutch Embassy. And why are they doing it? Is because the the Dutch, along with the Germans and 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 the European Union, held uh, sovereign debt by the Greeks. Um, and and they had defaulted on that, and they had to do an economic restructuring. There's a big economic crisis. The Greeks kind of suffered much more uh, than than other European countries after the the kind of economic meltdown of 2008. So the Dutch basically said, "Well, you know, we're we're pretty good at being entrepreneurs, and wouldn't it be nice as as a kind of uh, act of diplomacy instead of just saying, well, you owe us money, and we're going to take the airport.'" Uh, which is what other countries did, <coughs> Germany, uh, or you know, other countries like <coughs> China, who took advantage of the of the chaos to kind of like start picking off assets. So the Chinese owned the port in Piraeus, and I think the Germans took control of the airport that they helped build uh, during the the Olympics. All that aside, you know, the reason why they did it is they they identified that there was a brain drain going on. Um, so a lot of young Greeks, super talented, super well educated, saying, "Look, there's there's nothing that we can do here. We have to go abroad. And if you do that, it's really bad for the country, and that you get into a kind of a death spiral." So they 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 were very kind of thoughtful in in what they were doing. And they were also very strategic because, as it is, as it turned out, the economy has improved. And I think a lot of the reason for it is is the, we can call it the startup mentality, because the reality is, yes, 120% of all startups fail, um, but the people who are involved with them over the long run, long run succeed, either because the next one succeeds or because their way of thinking and approaching uh, you know, problem solving and growing a business becomes so valuable that larger companies will say, gosh, somebody who's done startup work for two years are much better than people that have been certainly that have been in academia or in the state yeah. sector or even had been in large kind of uh, sclerotic corporations. So what I came to find, came back to find out, is that there were a lot more startups that were doing a lot more interesting things, a lot more kind of socially relevant and and more sustainable. You know, in the problems. Pro- dealing with problems of sustainable sustainability um, than in other startup scenes, and they were really, really quite good. So I'm going to pause for a second, take a deep breath, and allow you to, to say shut up. No, no, well, that's, I mean, I mean, I know we've spoken about this a little bit before, but it's, you know, I, it could be a year or two between it, so it's good to have the complete reminder of why it's there, and 
you have to remember back Greece was, I mean, Greece was in desperation, you know, 10 years ago or, or so, and, and people, you know, say anyone under 40 was just leaving the country. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that is devastating. So that's pretty pretty good. And as you say, the the whole thing of, of failure is... The only bad thing about failure is if it means you stop trying things. Mm. And, you know, it, it sounds cliched and it sounds a bit smarmy, but, you know, if you failed at something five times, um, as long as you didn't fail for the same reason, mm-hmm. if you failed for the same reason something five times, then maybe you should rethink your career. Uh, but if you failed something five times for different reasons, something like that, then you have five times more experience than someone who's never failed. Exactly. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's it's again, it's the cliche, but you look at almost any, you know, well-known, famous ultra entrepreneur, you know, and we might list a bunch of successes they've had, but equally you could list a long line of failures they had before they ever got that first mm. success. And, and let's be honest, the, you know, often you know, we call serial entrepreneurs who are successful, you know, it's a lot easier to be successful as a startup uh, when you have a shitload of money from your previous success. Exactly. As right. opposed to living hand to mouth. Um, you know, it's oh, it's it's a, it's a known you know, thing. Is it when you've got money, it's easy to make money. When yeah. you haven't got money, it's really hard yeah. to make money. So yeah, that's that's really good. So it sounds like you know, over the last six years, and you know, having the same people involved in there, there's a lot of experience in that room. So anything you can t- tell us about that was like you know, sort of made think, oh shit, that's cool, or, or whatever. Yeah, else? a couple of things. I mean, you know, so the, the the pitching was done, and there were there were two winners, the first and second prizes. This in in recent years, instead of doing cash prizes, which they had done, it was like fifteen thousand euros and ten thousand euros. A couple of years ago, they basically switched to saying we're not going to give you cash, but we will organize. You know, uh, a very specific set of time and contacts in 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 Amsterdam. So, depending on what sector the startup is in, they may say, "Okay, you get like you know, you, you or two of, of of your cohort get to go and and work alongside you know Unilever or Heineken or kind of a, a, a or or startups." Um, and so they they put it together depending on who won. So the 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 top two the the, the winner was a company called Grandmama. Which I really loved. It was it, it, it's it's kind of a simple idea, and it's very well suited to the Greek market, and then could expand to a lot of other places. And it, it tries to solve the problem of letting elderly people live at home in dignity as they retire. And in order to do that, you know, as you age, you you need help, and it's a whole kind of spectrum of help. Some people need a lot of uh, you know medical care for physical ailments, or maybe memory care if they have Alzheimer's, or maybe just because they they slow down a little bit and they don't want to do housework and they need people to to, to clean their house, but even beyond that, they need people who are, are going to care. So it's not just like, you know, clean my house, but clean my house to come for a visit, have a cup of tea with me, you know, be the eyes and ears of, of the children and take notice of how the parents are doing. And so the way that they do that is they have a network of, of very carefully vetted care providers across the spectrum of care they need from the kind of, you know, again, towards the more medical things to the more casual things, almost anything in between. And they source these people primarily from women. And it's kind of, it's a woman-founded company and women-run, not surprisingly because of the nature of the empathy of it, but it's also very clever because it, it to to find qualified people, you kind of have to look in places where people have been passed by. And, and it's pretty common all over the world for women who, you know, when they, if they decide to have children and become the primary caregiver, they tend to go out of the, the kind of traditional career market. And not only were they super well-educated, super talented to begin with, but if you've had to raise kids and anybody who has, has kids knows how incredibly difficult it is 
in some ways, it's more difficult than anything, you know, going to work in an office. And that means that you have people who are extremely well, you know, prepared to do this type of work. And then it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a contract work for as much or as little as you want. And so if, let's say that you have somebody who's in their, their 40s or 50s, maybe their kids are grown and now they want to, to do things that's fun. And maybe they would be very, very happy to provide some type of, of, of care, you know, in some fashion to, to, to elderly people. Um, and it, it really seems to be working well. And so they're, the, the reason why they won, and, uh, you know, I, and I, I kind of talked about in the press, is that the quality of their pitch was, was very, very good. Because as a pitching contest, it's not how great somebody may think that the idea is or how much money they think it would be made. It was strictly to be able to say, did you communicate the idea really well? And could you answer questions? And the questions could be kind of, you know, when, when that, and it's a five minute thing. So you get five minutes to, 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 to pitch. And then you get like one minute or you know five minutes to, to to answer questions from from the judges. And the questions are typically very pointed, but oftentimes at pitching competitions, the worst question you can receive is like, "Tell me again what you did." Yeah. And, and they did not suffer that problem. And then they, people were asking pointed questions about how they find people, how they vet people, how successful have you been, how have they done, and they're, they they've been operating for a while now and 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 are slowly making money. And I I just thought it was really lovely. The second um, pitch was more was uh, a service called Struct S T R U U C T, and these are structural engineers um, who have devised a system to be able to look at bridges and other kind of built infrastructure using drones and and machine learning uh, to look at the photographs to be able to, to determine where the points of failure are. are. And it's kind of surprising because it's it's not it's it's kind of regular photography and infrared photography and 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 it's able to do things at a distance using a you know professional drone um, that it can do an analysis of the state of a bridge for example where otherwise you'd have to send a structural engineer kind of down uh, you know lay down a rope on a bridge and kind of poke about and in, 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 in kind of see what the state of the concrete or the the steel is or, or whatever to look for rust or look for stresses and and it's kind of interesting because it, it's a similar thing is that there's a limited number of people who are qualified to be structural engineers, and they can only go and visit so many bridges. But in the same way that there was a limited number of, say, radiologists in developed countries who could look at an X-ray, there are tons and tons more. Let's say for in India, and now you can have X-rays, you know, or MRI scans in in anywhere in Europe and the United States, and there's as good a chance that the, the doctor or the, the the or the kind of the the technician analyzing it could be somewhere in, in Bangalore. Um, and so it's kind of a similar concept. It's outsourcing the expertise of of and and using you know software to kind of also classify it. So in a way that there's a huge problem around the world of of crumbling infrastructure and just a huge problem in general about construction, where the use of drones can really help to be able to say is the construction process you know is it going correctly and and um, and so it, it, that was kind of interesting is that their pitch was was less. Um, less polished and less clear about you know all the different things that they could do and what they have successfully done to date and where they think they're going to go plus the, it suffered the problem that almost every every pitch does is that they combine six slides on one they just have so much density mm. um and so th- they weren't as clear whereas grandmama every slide was very kind of crisp and was hitting on one point that built on the one before and then they had a nice set of summary and, and also it was it was pleasantly laid out, and you could you could read it from the back of the room. Whereas almost every other slide deck I, I see by beginners, 
they don't even, you know, they're looking at their laptop, they're frantically putting it together, and they never think to say, well, what does it look like if it's projected and you're looking at it from, from you know, 20, 30 meters away? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was Death good. by PowerPoint, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then the other ones kind of were, were kind of a mixture of fields. A lot of people doing Internet of Things, process control. There's another one uh, related to, to matching, you know, uh, farm workers to, to farmers who need on-demand labor. So the things were very well suited to the problems being faced in Greece. And they're just basically saying, look, there's so much technology. It makes it possible to, to, to bring up a web service, to bring up a web app with little or no code to, to be able to, you know, and so we can say, well, you know, and, and to be able to run it. And and there are plenty of good designers, UX designers around the world. If you don't find one in Greece, maybe you can find one, you know, overseas. But they're applying all this these economies of scale and, and, and technical things as a service. Everything is available as a service, but they're applying it to very, very local problems. So it doesn't it's not a it's it, it a VC in the in Silicon Valley wouldn't think twice about it because maybe on one of them, because they can say, okay, well, grandma off it scales and becomes a brand name. It's kind of like Uber. Everybody can say, well, it's Uber for elder care, Uber for, for yeah. bridge engineering. Um, but then they might say, well, but somebody else might copy it or whatever. But it, the, the, getting back to what I was saying, the reason why I think that, that Greece is, is really starting to do well with this is that there are these are plenty of problems. There are plenty of, of things that, you know, thank you very much. It's, it, we don't really need the kind of Silicon Valley mindset, but we will take advantage of the, the dynamism that exists in Silicon Valley and Berlin and Amsterdam and other places. Yeah, well, Silicon Valley, we have to thank for, you know, the fact that it, it created a culture of businesses going for it, churning over yes, all absolutely. the rest of it's good. I think the mindset that every one of those businesses has to become a billion-dollar company yeah. is is now actually... A, a bad effect on the market because actually you know um it's almost like uh you know, is this going to be a profitable company for silicon valley that's not enough to be a profitable company anymore it's got to be a company you can sell for 100x or yeah and, 1000x in fact if if it's a sane business and making profit from almost the first year from the, they don't want that because like well we can't leverage that we can't create a pyramid scheme. whereas you look at um you know one of one, one of the the good signs of a stable economy, uh, and this is where you know um, in Germany is excellent, is actually a range of profitable small businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by small, that's something like four, five hundred employees, whatever else. So it's not like you know compared to my business, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, and so actually, I think, but creating, bringing the best of the the um, you know the startup culture into smaller scale things by having. A different set of type of investors who are not so interested in just like the hundred x, the thousand x, but actually, you know, what can we learn from this business? Is it going to be profitable? Yes, probably. Will I get a return on my investment? Because that's business. But it's, uh, it, yeah, that's that's encouraging. That's really good. That's yep. exciting stuff. Yeah. One more thing I'll, I'll mention is like there was a, a company that uh, is trying to put bring electric bikes to Athens, and Athens, like eighty something like eighty seven of the people there drive. They own a car, and, and the the traffic is infamous, and you can't get anywhere. And there's no, there's almost no bike infrastructure. So like people think there's no way it's going to happen. But again, it's like I love electric bikes so much because you can get, you know, you can get very very far across the city in, in a matter of fifteen. 15 minutes 
Um, and, uh, you know, more power to him because I, I love bicycling, as you know, and uh, I like I like exploring cities. So they're basically bringing uh, their, their little twists is they, they have fold up bikes and they also have electric bikes that are, are well suited to the kind of the terrain of Athens. Very, very thick tires and they're designed to be able to get, help people get up and down hills and to be able to jump curves. And so it's, it's definitely for the younger people. But what they're trying to do is jumpstart a change in culture. Um, uh, where people can can take an electric scooter or electric bike or even a regular bike in some places, um, and it's it, I, I get the impression that there are a lot more foreigners who have been attracted to Athens because it's inexpensive, relatively speaking. It's sunny, and there's a lot more it, it you know a lot more variety of food and art and culture of, of people have come there, and 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 it, it just everything seems popping. Apparently, they had a really good um, tourist season. That's what the taxi driver who who brought me from the airport and. The last telltale sign of, of change is that he was super proud talking about how his daughter managed two warehouses for an e-food delivery company. Um, and and I, and I, he told me, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, people would have said, oh, my God, why did you do that? What shame? Why aren't you going into the public sector or becoming a doctor or a lawyer? And now it's like, my daughter works in a startup, and I think it's great. So That's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, so... How about you, Scotty? How, what have you been doing? Well, I mean, there's a few things I want to talk about this week. If we've got time, but let's just segue. See if I can make a segue from where we've okay. been before. Okay, so you've been talking about pitching, and you've got five minutes, and, and the key is, you know, to come out of the pitch, you know, having someone clearly understand what it is you're doing. So we've started talking this week about um, the website for when we relaunch mm. um, uh, MoneyWell in the next, uh, you know, weeks or months. And, and again, you know, your website, when it comes to small app development, your, your website is your pitch. Mm-hmm. The difference is you don't get five minutes, you get 10 seconds. Exactly. Right there. Mm-hmm. And, and so you need to be really, really clear about what it is you want your, your website to say and the message it needs to give. And we spent a lot of time over the last, uh, well, maybe not a lot of time, some time over the last few weeks, of, like looking at, other apps websites now firstly it's quite hard to find websites for mac apps because there just really aren't that many there's panic 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 and all um and then you know in there and then obviously we have a bunch of competitors who are in our market and we obviously look at their websites because you'd be mad not to but it's it's actually quite um it's quite interesting to you know some some look good some don't look good some have really, you know, colour schemes that I like and not like and, and whatever else. But actually it's quite interesting to how how few have really clear pitch type messaging as the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's lots of still what I would call the you know the the nineteen nineties or the two thousands websites where you get on there, there is a picture of the app or a picture of, of its logo and then a list of features. It does this, this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Um which has its place somewhere on the website, I think. But, you know, I, I think often when someone comes to your website, they're not even sure if they want your app or need your app yet. And so does this list of features help them? Does the fact that it's got unlimited undo or, you know, mm-hmm. or, 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 you know um, support six languages or, or whatever else, multi-currency make, make a difference? It's like, you know, what should it, what should it say? And, you know, we have, I would say the biggest person in, in our market is a company called You Need a Budget, YNAB, um, a different ambitious, but you go to their website, you know, and, and the first thing it says, all it says in the banner, it's not as is take control of your money. 
And it's like, it has no, and, and I, we were looking at their website, and, and it, you have to dig into the website until you find out what a single feature of their application is. The, the whole of their of their web page is pitching you mm. what you can achieve mm-hmm. with their software, not what the software does. It's like aspirational. Mm. And that was quite interesting to how, and obviously we're bored into that and we've had this discussion before, but it was quite interesting to how how poor most app websites are at doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and whereas, you know, it's, uh, and so that's been quite good. So obviously we're, we're trying to find what our pitch is right now. You know, it's it's got to be that one line that says, ah, yes, that's that's what I want, that then gets you to look at the next line, which looks at the next line, and, and each one drugs you a little bit further in. But that idea of often often the pitch has nothing to do with how your software works. It's what people will get out of using your software mm. is what's going to sell it. So I just thought, you know, with you talking about pitching, that was quite interesting. We've been having those discussions this week, and... Um, yeah, when we get our pitch, John, I um, want to see we it. will be an investor uh, dream. <laughs> people can chuck their fourteen dollars and twenty five cents, and they'll get back at least eighteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Because <laughs> usually you'd end up uh, getting you know twelve thousand dollars in bankruptcy and in a lawsuit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ah, like oh. so changing the subject totally, um, we had an incident over the last couple of weeks where uh, on a client app where apple reviewed an app that wasn't in review oh wow really and found some issues and said if these aren't fixed you're your out apple of here will be removed from the app store oh wow uh no it was it was to do with some terminology in the app and it was also fortunately it wasn't like you know you could make some changes and done it and it's obviously stuff you know that had got through before and, and, and whatever else but I just found that quite, it was quite surprising, really. And and it was just posted in App Store Connect. Mm. Your app has 14 days to do this or we're going to bang. Wow. And someone went into App Store Connect and said, oh, there's this message in our App Store Connect right now <laughs> in there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sure there's lots of people say, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Or whatever. Mm. And I'm sure there's something that's happened. You know, either we we were part of a, you know, let's check for this type of thing in some apps. Or maybe something in a previous review would mm-hmm. trigger a flag that they said we must go look at this at some point, but it wasn't like review at that time. But that was um it was, you know, quite an eye opener really. And it's not, it's, That's uh, pretty frightening. Yeah. Um and of course if you're not a you know a Netflix or a <laughs> Facebook or <laughs> someone who can just like say, Tim, Tim, come on, sort <laughs> this out. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you you, you want to make sure you don't really get time to argue with that. You, no. you, you comply. Now, so fortunately for us, it was about it was about wording uh, of things. So it wasn't it. You know, wording is an easy and quick change. And um, the moment we submitted a new review and uh, and uh, a new app for review, and the review was accepted, the the whole warning was removed mm-hmm. from the account. So that worked. But if it'd been like something that was like required some serious engineering, then fourteen days is. And there was no, if you want to appeal this, it was like, this is, this is our determination. And it wasn't even like, yeah, we won't so take it away. It, was, it, it will be gone from the store. Wow. So it's like, so, yeah, that was an interesting moment. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you recovered from it. Yeah, that's, you know, God bless Apple, you know. <laughs> bless your heart, Apple. Uh, 
they, they do that certainly in terms of the app store. They also do it in their APIs. And I'll make the segue to this. It's like I've been working on updating our, our share sheet. So, you know, uh, about I don't know, two, three years ago, we did some integration with Instagram stories and Snapchat stories uh, so that you could, from a, what we call a display page, a details page about a, a title, a movie or an episode, you know, episodic series, and to be able to say, I would like to make an Instagram story of it, in which case you supply, you know, a background image and maybe a sticker and, and a link and, and a link back to a specific part in your, in your service. So you can say, here's the poster art, you know, for a particular movie that I love. And I want you to be able to open that up back in, in Netflix. Um, and so, um, I don't know whether you've done work with the system share sheet. Almost every app somewhere has a, has a way of doing it. And basically, the, the way that the Apple mechanism works, it's a black box. You basically supply it saying, hey, I, you know, what this thing that I'm sharing can be an image, it can be a text, it can be URL, it can be whatever. Uh, and then you can receive callbacks to say, okay, for this, you know, the user is about to send this thing to, you know, AirDrop. What would you like to supply? Would you like to give a title for? Or I'm going to share this on Twitter or I'm going to share it in Apple Messages. Would you just like to supply the, the, the image that's used, you know, as the thumbnail for it and a title and so on and so forth. So it all... It all kind of works. It's gotten wildly better over the last couple of years because it used to be, you know, it, you really had no control about which apps could, you know, which target apps could appear in the share sheet. And it wasn't very nice looking. And so a lot of apps went off and said, forget it. We'll build our own share sheet and we'll have like an escape hatch to the Apple system share sheet. And now it's gotten to the point where the Apple system share sheet is very good about, about supplying things like tap here to send it to you know, Slack, for example, and a specific person on Slack because it's able to follow and say, oh, well, you shared it to Scotty on Slack. So maybe when you open the share sheet again with a URL, maybe you want to send that to Scotty again. And it's able to do that because they have access to all this data, all these transactions that take place between apps in a way that we as a third party app would never be able to get. On the one hand, it's like, it's sad that, that, that we, you know, we certainly can and and, and have adopted the, the system share sheet, but it's hard for us to make it to be the primary use for it, since a lot of what people want to do with 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 Netflix, and it's fairly specific for that. We are a media company. We produce these nice media assets. We spend a lot of time making beautiful beautiful poster art, uh, and we also provide you know short clips of video in vertical format on something called comedy feed or fast laughs. It's a vertical feed of, of vertical videos and that are short and so it's possible for us to share that to Instagram directly. Now here's here's the rub. You can you can do that to Instagram using their API but you can't do the same thing. You can't share to an Instagram stories from an Apple share sheet. They, they, they don't, they, you know, they, you just can't do it. Or at least Instagram could probably do it. But we can't send it to Instagram using the API they provide to us. So that's the rub. It's like you can say you're inclined to share something, share something. Should we lead with the, the likely things like Instagram stories? Or should we lead with this system Apple, you know, that provides for us? And there's almost no way of knowing. Are you kind of going to a path of, of recommending it to somebody in a conversation like Apple Messages? Or are you trying to, to kind of post about it and, and kind of spread the word on something with Instagram stories? It's, it's something I've been grappling with right now. Um, but mainly what I've done this last week is rewrite a bunch of really old Objective-C code into, you know, much nicer to, to, to deal with Swift. 
Um, and it's a remind me a reminder once again. It's like, man, I really love Swift. <laughs> Who knew? I would just say, it's like, there's no, there's nothing like to be able to say, okay, I can see what the logic of this, and my gosh, it's so much easier to do in Swift. But this is this old news. But it's sometimes nice to have reminders of 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 where you came from. Yeah, see, still, you know, ninety five percent of Manuel is still an Objective C mm-hmm. because it's as we've had stories of here rewriting it. We've tried several times and it just realised it's so big. And we still plan to rewrite it on a bit by bit process mm-hmm. as we go forward. Yeah, but you do sometimes you get to Objective C, and I have to say the things I used to put up with to love, <laughs> oh. like you know, messaging Neil, oh, yeah. all that I now find really. Repugnant? Yeah, they, they sort of make you think that shouldn't really be be, yeah. be happening. Yeah. yeah, that's uh Yeah. Oh the joys of sharing, eh? Yeah. So we had a conversation this week, and unfortunately it didn't turn out to be um, be needed because the solution was very good. So we have Manuel is still out in beta. We don't have a huge beta program, maybe two hundred people or so on it. Um and uh, because you know it's we're dealing with um syncing and it's you know we, we just don't want to be too bogged down with too many people and, and that number of people you can almost follow people's stories mm. their journey through through it because there's few enough of them uh but we realized we wanted to change something uh this week uh and you know so we brought up the conversation well that's a breaking change mm. so do you at this point, just put out the new version of the app saying, well, the old version doesn't work. You need to start, delete your data and start again. Uh, or do you have to put work into converting people on an old beta data to fit the new one, mm. even though outside of those 200 people, that code's never going to run again? Mm. Uh, fortunately, yeah, I, I, I sort of like said in our Slack channel, I said, well, if as long as there's a few lines of code, then do it, otherwise I'd be against doing any work because we're you know, we're struggling to ship as it is mm-hmm. unfortunately it turned out to be four lines of code so it was mm. <laughs> it was it was all right but it did bring up this thing about you know on about you know how much on a beta program you know do you need to you know to, to do this stuff and then that brought us back into this conversation well actually probably the 200 people we have on the beta are 200 of our keenest users mm. um you know word of mouth is a big software selling point so you know, how it's not just about you know getting out the door is you know what how do you how do you value what's going on there and make that decision to to um now i think it's been weeks of work in there but it was just an interesting conversation or i found an interesting challenge to uh, you know how, what point do you say no this is a beta we've always warned people that your data may not be safe it may be deleted you have to start again so now let's do it through to well actually we say that but nobody really we know nobody does that because apple released the public beta of operating systems people install it and then wonder mm. why none of the apps work right, yeah. because they never read it so yeah i just found it um again you know it's uh it was a a chat a, a question to which we didn't really have an answer fortunately we didn't have to really do it because four lines of code solved the problem and in, in did the conversions but it's uh yeah i mean i'm 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 guessing you probably don't even run external betas do you uh or not that you can tell us anyway <laughs> No, not in the way that you do. I mean, yeah. we, we we do it internally for 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 dog yeah. fooding our app, yeah. Um, you know, because yeah, and that's a whole other topic for another day. It's kind of I somewhat envy the the Android thing about the the Android Play Store beta. It's much 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 easier to do that. Yeah, 
Yeah, so it's uh, and we are learning as well. One of the other things is you know just just bathe, and we can have this with thing as well. But you know, just when you have an iOS app and a Mac app, and you've got to make sure people are using the same version because in beta things change so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's difficult. Anyway, John, we must have been, we must have been going for a long time now, right? And let's let's have a quick look and see how long we've been going for, shall we? Because yeah, we've been enjoying it so much, we've no idea how long we've actually been talking for. Uh, it may be surprising; it's not as long as you think. I mean, it's definitely time to to bring it in. Where are we now? Well, I don't know. We we'll have to have a look now. See, now we're now we're intrigued with our high high thing recording content. I haven't got my glasses on. I have no idea what that says. What uh, does that say? It says uh, 39 minutes. Oh, oh, well, that's a mega episode. So I hope yeah. you were on duty last week because you've got a mega episode this week. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have one more question here, John, that, um, that I just do need to ask you because uh, we are sat in, in currently in your room where you're <laughs> staying. Um, uh, the recording device is propped up against your laptop. Um, but... On the floor in this room is your suitcase, <laughs> which is size A. Yeah. And there is a lot of stuff on the floor, which I think equates to size B. So my question is, how the fuck are you going to get all that in that suitcase? Uh, I managed to get it all here. It's I got it in one suitcase and one bag. Uh, I managed to do it. looks much worse than it actually is. And it definitely looks bad. You know, you can tell after you've been traveling for, for two weeks that, you know, I, I was glad to be at my mom's place so I could do laundry and... Uh, but, uh, yeah, I will manage to pack it all in. It's amazing what you can do. Well, there we are. I mean, that's a totally question that's irrelevant to anybody else in the, uh, in the world. But, John, when people want to, um, we didn't even talk about London and Paris. and yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. So, uh, John, if people want to uh, wish you well on your rest of your travels, how should they do that? You know, Scott, you know how we flippantly have talked about Twitter as being the nice place. I'm becoming more and more... Uh, uh, loath <laughs> to, to to tell people to find me on Twitter, but you can find me on so Twitter. So basically, they should write to your home address, which is <laughs> no. I'm saying two things. Like I am on Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B, like the West African drum. But I've actually started using Mastodon. That's for another conversation to be able to have. It's like I hope Mastodon or something like it. Honestly, I hope a bunch of ex-Twitter engineers and and somebody else does a signal-like model where people will happily contribute and actually contribute regularly to an open-source, decentralized system that does what Twitter did without all the other evil that exists on Twitter. But that's, again, for a whole other thing. So, Scotty, if people want to find you, how might they do that other than going to Tetbury, going to the town square and say, does anybody know Scotty? And then running because people are like, we hate Scotty. And if anybody is associated with Scotty, we're going to come after them with pitchforks. And since you mentioned his name, we're going to come after you. And then you have to start running. And then you get run over by a tractor and then just bad news all around. How can they How can they get in touch with you without you that happening? really don't know how close to the truth that was. But <laughs> <laughs> one, one day I'll share that story. Uh, yeah, on, on Twitter, which is, again, I agree with you, John, maybe we have to reflect on this, but for right now, I'm on Twitter where I am, uh, MacDevNet, where um, apparently all speech is now free, mm-hmm. unless you want your icon verified, which costs you money. <laughs> but don't try and pretend to be Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. There we are. Right, well, it's been, uh, it's been nice to do an in-person episode, John, although it makes absolutely no difference to... Uh, to um, uh, the people out there, other than the recording quality, maybe even worse than normal, um, because we're sat probably far too far from the microphone. But Sam will make us sound amazing. Well, look, Sam, this time you don't have to spend not editing out Barky the Failure Dog. You can put... (laughs) 
sweetening the sound. <laughs> it's bad because this week would have been a really good week because Barky, Barky the phone dog has kennel cough. Oh, so wow. he sounds more like... <laughs> <laughs> and on that pleasant note, we thank you for listening. Until next time. You take care. God, put this out of its misery. <laughs> Thank you.